This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, October 26th, 2022 edition, and we are moving through earnings season, and fall is in the air. We're less than a week away from Halloween, and then guess what? We ramp up for the holiday season, and it'll go by faster than you think. Uh, so, you know, we are in interesting times, and emotions are probably running high for a lot of people, both on the political side, right? We have uh, midterms coming up next week, and then uh, just an economy and a market that a lot of people aren't used to. When was the last time you saw a 300 basis point increase in, in rates in a year's time for almost anything, much less treasuries. It's been a long time. You have to be very old uh, to, to see something like that. And so, you know, because we've been in a 35, 40 year down cycle. So, you know, uh, to see the last time we had a huge rise in interest rates was the late 70s. So you got to you got to be you're a Gen Xer. Millennials have never seen this. And so this is a new era, takes a new level of understanding and thinking in order to plan out your strategy to meet your goals. And it's not just about chasing returns. It's not just about, oh, let me go find something that has a high dividend yield or interest rate. There are multiple factors to consider. And that's what we're to help you do is to help you understand those factors that you must consider from uh, geopolitical to economic uh, to understanding what duration is. What is it? What is a long duration asset? Do you understand that? Because in this environment with interest rates going up, that is a vital thing to understand. In a down market or a down interest rate market, long duration assets are great. Suddenly, long duration assets are not so great. And so long duration assets move across different asset classes. There are parts of the equity markets that are long duration assets. Obviously, the bond market, some are short, some are long duration assets. And guess what? Real estate, especially in markets where there's a lot of debt used to buy those pieces of real estate, those are long duration assets as well. So this is one small dynamic that you have to grasp in order to be successful in this type of market. So the question is, are you confident that you're paying attention to the right things? Are you confident in your strategy? Well, I'm Justin Klein and I'm here to help you with that. I'm here to answer your finance and investment questions, and I'm excited for this hour with you doing just that. And the phone number is always 888-99-CHART, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can give it a call, 
Leave your message, we will answer it on a future show, or we love our live callers as well. So if you're listening during our live program, four to five Pacific time, we encourage calls right now. So we've got a lot of material for you today, and my main focus point is in regards to why stock investors need to pay careful attention to the earnings season that we're in. So we're gonna go over that, what that means, what to pay attention to, what not to pay attention to, how that feeds into the market, as well as the economy as a whole. So we're gonna look at that. And then also real estate overall, not just here in the US, US, but globally, what are the factors that are going to drive where the pain is felt the most? So we're gonna look at that. Also the dollar, the dollar, uh, we've talked about how strong dollar impacts earnings for multinational companies. And we're going to review that. We're going to review what different multinational companies are saying about the strong dollar and what type of impact it is having on earnings. And then lastly, Andreessen Horowitz, the famed private investment firm in Silicon Valley that invests in some of the biggest tech startups in the world. They bet big on crypto and that's come back down to earth. But the big question is where are the other roaches within the portfolios living? Because crypto is marked to market. You can see what it's trading at. Whereas a lot of the private companies, they're not. So we're gonna look at that story as well. Now I also have some voice bank questions ready to play. One is on Albertsons as well as Kroger and then BGS Foods. So I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk at 888. 99 chart. Let's take a look at the market today. We had earnings from the likes of Google and Microsoft after hours, and both of them disappointed. And so the Qs, the NASDAQ, that was down almost 3% on the day. But the Dow, uh, and most importantly, I don't, I don't look at the Dow. I try to avoid the Dow. Everyone looks at the Dow. It's a stupid index to follow. Uh, the Russell, Russell, much broader, right? Dow is 30 stocks. Russell is 2,000 stocks. That was up about eight points. So modest update. Certainly, we, we came back in from the, the pretty big gains earlier in the day across the market. Um, but what you saw here was grow. I talked about the growth and, and value and, and where to be positioned. This is a perfect type of day to encapsulate that large cap growth down one and a half percent. Large cap value today up 0.81%. So Commodity stocks, energy stocks were up today on the back of a weak dollar. And the market is continuing to price in a higher likelihood of, of only 50 basis point increase in the fourth quarter in December, as opposed to what was previously priced in was a, basically a, a 75 basis point uh, increase. So uh, across the world, you're seeing central banks getting a little bit more dovish incrementally, not drastically, um, but that's feeding into currency markets. All right, so uh, the base case is a 75 basis point hike in November, just uh, that's next week. November 2nd is uh, the Fed meeting, so what, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then you're gonna get some direction from the Fed on what they're planning to do for uh, December and then into next year. And I think they're starting to incrementally get towards, hey, we should pause, we've done a lot, 
This is going to feed through. We're seeing weak economic data. And this is a time even more so than in the past where weak data economically is actually a positive for markets because it's a signal to the Fed that they've they're, they're, their process of tightening financial conditions, uh, weakening the economy that feeds into weaker inflation, it's working, right? And yesterday you had rich from the Fed manufacturing index that was down or negative 10. So the lowest level in many months. And so that was uh, one indicator. You obviously had weak uh, single family home sales today. So all of this is leading to a more dovish Fed. And that's why you're seeing upside in the markets, but still focused on the value side. Now, it's a fast moving Wednesday. The market is constantly changing and you must have finance and investment questions that you'd like answered. And that's what I'm here to do is to answer those questions. So give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor. 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Justin and Steve. Thank you for the generous service you provide to your listeners each weekday. With the service you guys provide, I'm slowly becoming more of an investor and less of a spectator. Uh, I do always provide this podcast to any friend or family, especially if they speculate a lot in the market. My question today is about two companies I've looked at in the industrial sector, Dover Corp, ticker symbol DOV, and AO Smith Corp, ticker symbol AOS. Both of these companies are amongst the best in their industries, especially with their high return on equities and return on investments. Another attractive quality is that these companies are dividend aristocrats with growing stable dividends. And I do believe that neither of these companies have a payout ratio greater than 50%. I will appreciate your opinion on what price should be paid for these companies for the long-term hold. Thank you so much. All right, looking at two very quality businesses. One is Dover Corp, D-O-V. And what they do is they're, they're an industrial uh, manufacturer company with products and services that include digital printing for uh, consumer goods, marking and coding for the food and beverage industry. Uh, so a lot of the things that are used in the back end of convenience stores and, and grocery stores, etc. cetera. Uh, and it just has a very consistent business over the long term. 
if you're looking at uh, its history, 2015, they made $3.87 a share. And this year, they're supposed to make $8.44 a share. Now, those estimates are coming down a bit. The economy is slowing. That's understandable. But I like what you're looking at here. Like you said, the payout ratios are relatively low. And uh, they have fairly minimal debt compared to their size, about $3 billion in net debt uh, for a market cap of about $18 billion. Uh, so very little debt. Their times interest earned is 14 and a half, which is very high, which is good. Uh, and their return on equity is 28% now. Now that's higher than its historical average, which is closer to the low 20s, but that's still very good, 22% very good long-term return on equity figures. Uh, and the payout ratio, like you said, is, is, pretty, is pretty low, um, about 50%. So room to increase that dividend. Both of these are improving uh, from their recent lows. And, and, and I, I like both of these. Uh, now, which one would I buy? Uh, we own AOS and we recently purchased that over the past, I would say quarter or so. Uh, and the reason that we like it and for everyone else, AOS is a bit different of a business. It's still an industrial, but it sells water heaters. And that's also, they're dominant within that space, uh, consistent growth. And they earned $1.58 in 2015. This year, they're supposed to make $3.10 a share. 2.3% dividend yield. Return on equity right now is 28%. And long-term average is pretty, uh, pretty similar, around the 22-23 mark. So I like both of these. NAOS, pretty much no, actually is negative debt, has, has cash on its balance sheet. So if I'm picking one or the other, I'm gonna go with AOS. But I like what you're looking at for both of those. For everyone out there, go take a look at both of these businesses. These are the type of businesses that you want to own right now. Bread and butter businesses that are positive cash flow, low debt, had and are dividend growers. 2.3% doesn't sound like a big dividend, but they're able and unlikely to grow their dividend over time. This is exactly what you should be looking for. All right. Now let's make it two in a row from 8899 chart. Good morning. This is Duncan from New York. Thank you for all that you do. I have a question on your services. If we get a portfolio review and we still have a lot more questions, is there still a possibility where we can pay for the hour? I'm sure that would probably help a lot of listeners for other options, but just curious about that. Looking forward to the answer and have a great day. Bye. Uh, interesting question. Uh, we do portfolio reviews for our listeners all the time. I did one earlier today and we go over uh, the portfolios, different portfolios, put it into a report, uh, show the different sectors that uh, you're in, uh, what you, what you're overweight and underweight and give a, a sense of from a big picture, which direction you should be moving, and then particular names that are, are, are probably should be jettisoned, maybe others that um, you need to lean a little bit more on, et cetera. Um, and then maybe we become the advisor if that's not something that, that you wanna do uh, yourself. Um, but for, for client, there's no charge to that, it's free. Uh, but if you're a client, you can call us and, and reserve a time on my calendar whenever you want. So uh, that's something that is just part of being a client, it's just direct access to schedule a call with me. But Great question, and, and thanks for, uh, for for making it. Now we're heading into a break. Steve and I are happy to play your recorded voice bank questions, but we love your live calls as well. So our, numbers, our number never changes, and it never closes. It's 888-99-CHART on InvestTalk.
Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes, and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Now, my focus point concerns the story why stock investors need to pay careful attention to earnings season report cards. So, uh, this is in the, we're in the midst of earnings season right now. And typically it starts about two weeks after the quarter end and ends about five weeks after the quarter end. So we're in the fourth week uh, post quarter end. So next week is is kind of the end of earnings season. Uh, But this is a busy week overall. As of Friday, only 20% of S&P 500 companies reported earnings. But this week, 165 of them are scheduled to report earnings. So you're talking about 500 names, about a third total. So after this week, it goes from 20 to over 50% have reported earnings by the end of this week. And we obviously had poor earnings from uh, Google and Microsoft last night. We had poor earnings from uh, Facebook today. And we have uh, many more from uh, UPS to Comcast to Boeing, etc. And in the midst of earnings season, it's often very common for the average investor to get caught up in the headlines, right? Did they beat earnings? Did they miss earnings? And frankly, whether they beat or miss on the previous quarter is relatively, I wouldn't say unimportant, but less important than what their expectation is for the economy and for earnings in the future during the fourth quarter and into next year, right? You start to develop some guidance towards uh, 2023. So that prognostication about the future of the business is far more important and typically will drive the movement in the stock. And this often, once again, is a time where there's a lot of headlines uh, and it can be unnerving, um, but what you have to try to do is see through that noise. Often earnings uh, announcements in themselves are noise, but understanding the trends of the business, the quality of the business. Uh, are there any threats that are happening both internally or externally, right? Some bad bad management decisions internally or were there uh, decisions by uh, their competitors? that could potentially threaten their business. Those are things that that we look at more importantly. And that will that is part of the picture going forward to see how resilient they'll be in an economic downturn. Okay? Uh, but that's a that's microanalysis, right? Microanalysis will tell you what companies to be invested in. Macroanalysis is understanding the the economic picture, where inflation is going, where growth is going and what sectors you should be overweight. We've been talking about for now multiple quarters, now we're pushing on uh, multiple years where we said growth is out of favor. Growth is not gonna be where you wanna be. Value stocks, companies with good solid profitability and earnings and, and, and dividends, low debt, those are the businesses, while they had underperformed for a long period of time because they're not long duration assets as we, we discussed at the beginning of the show, those are the names that are going to outperform. 
And you're already seeing that. Today's a good example with Google, Microsoft down so big. So while we're in the midst of earnings season, you're going to see a lot of headlines. Make sure that it doesn't deter you or, or take you off your path of uh, good management of your portfolio, good strategy that you're executing consistently. All right. Now, from time to time, we receive email questions, and this one came in from Jamie Gilks from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So I was wondering what you, if you could do analysis on Bank of Nova Scotia, BNS. The dividend looks attractive, and they seem to be bouncing off of support. I know that you would need to see my overall portfolio to get an idea if it would, be, if it would, it would fit my investment goals, but I'm just speaking specifically for a bank in the financial sector. Uh and I'm going to get to this here in a little bit. My issue is Canada has one of, if not the most overvalued real estate markets in the entire world. And while I don't think that the government's going to let Bank of Nova Scotia or any of the other large banks go belly up, I think that they're going to struggle for some time. And you're already seeing earnings down 21% expected this year from last year. And while they are, they are bouncing off some support, I just don't like it. It's in too strong of a downtrend. Uh, and I don't like that housing market exposure. I like Canada. I like overall Canadian type of companies because most Canadian companies are, are natural resource based. And so I would be looking at companies like that. Uh, Bank of Nova Scotia, not a name that I would get excited about investing in right now. Right. Now, on the next Invest Talk, the story behind this headline. The bear market of 2022 has tested the limits of buffer funds. Now, buffer funds, which promise to limit downside losses from equity market exposure while capping upside returns, have grown popular. And we're going to touch on that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your question live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, 
InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name is Shaker. I'm calling from Sunnyvale, California. I have a question about Kroger's and Albertson's merger that they have just announced last week. I have some Albertson stocks which I bought at about uh, lower teens, and I'm holding that and paid out the dividend of about $6 plus for every stock. Is that a good decision for me to still hold the stocks or should I just get out? The eventual price, stock price that Kroger will pay is about $34 per share. Today's price is about $20 some. So wanted to get your opinion. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be now more based on Kroger's share price and, sh and share price movement. Um, so it just paid a, a dividend, as uh, Albertsons did. Uh, and there are some regulatory hurdles that needs to get through. Um, and, and frankly, I think that's going to be a while, um, but I would hold it. We're holding it um, because we, we do um, like the the price that we're getting paid uh, if it does go through. And I think there's more more upside to uh, the business. So um, I would hold Albertsons uh, currently uh, because we like that that potential upside. Uh, remember that recent drop, though, it's because they paid out a, a hefty dividend. So a special dividend, at least. All right. Now let's touch a bit on housing prices. And 
you know, we're entering what I believe is going to be a long, slow trickle of weak pricing, weak housing prices, real estate prices in general, even commercial real estate, especially office. Office is probably, if you're worried about the residential uh, real estate market, the commercial office market is going to be far worse. Um, but let's focus on, on housing. Now, prices are falling in nine of 18 countries monitored by Oxford Economics. And it's falling the most in the most overheated markets. Canada and Sweden, I talked about Canada, uh, down more than 8% since February. New Zealand fallen by more than 12% since its peak last year. And we're now starting to see slides here in America as well as in Britain. And home sales are down by a fifth in, uh, year over year. Uh, that was in August and obviously gotten worse since then. Now, I, one thing I do want to get people to, to stop doing is using... Uh, year over year sales and inventory uh, numbers because it doesn't really say the whole picture, right? A year ago, it was a very overheated market where there was under supply, record low supply. So, you know, you're coming off a very low base. And same with home sales. Home sales were drastically higher and way overheated a year ago. And so, you know, a lot of this is reversion to the mean. So, don't get too bearish in the near term when you're looking at these big numbers. But we are coming off a time where we had rock bottom interest rates and constrained supply because of uh, government pandemic uh, emergency orders, uh, as well as the fact that people were trying to move out of ma major cities into more rural areas. Uh, and prices in America rose 60% from 2012 to 2019. And then they rose another 30% uh, during the, the pandemic lockdown. So you're, you're coming off of very, very expensive levels. And now mortgage rates are at 7% from 3%. And this is going to be uncomfortable for politicians as well as uh, homeowners. Now, there'll be three factors to determine how bad it will be. Actually, I'm going to go with fourth. <laughs> there's a there's a fourth one. Now, the first is how hot was the market recently? Very likely, if you were if the home was in a hot market, it's going to come down. It's going to revert to the mean. It was uh, there were artificial factors that were creating those prices, and now a lot of that's just coming back down to earth. So that's number one. Number two are borrowing levels, and this depends on the country. So household debt relative to income is much lower than it was during before the financial crisis here in America, Britain and Spain, but other countries, including Australia, Canada and Sweden, those they, they didn't really have the, the, the wipeout, the washout that you had in a lot of other developed markets. If you look at Canada, Canadian home prices, they, they just kind of leveled off during the financial crisis and then kept going up. Okay. So, those markets are going to struggle the most. Luckily, here in the U.S., not quite as bad as other uh, other countries. Now, the third factor will be how will interest rates pass through to homeowners? Now, in many countries, I don't know if you know this, the 30-year fixed rate mortgage is an anomaly. It's an anomaly. Okay? So, if you look at uh, places like Canada, they have a lot of variable rate mortgages. They account for more than half of all loans. In Australia and Sweden, they count for two-thirds of all loans, okay? The UK, uh, most of the loans are on five-year fixed, but, you know, they float, uh, they, they change after the five years. 
And so if you're not in, if, if you're in a country or an area where a lot of the mortgages are variable rate, that's going to be a problem. Luckily here in the US, uh, roughly 80 to 90% are on fixed terms. Okay, the vast majority of uh, mortgages uh, are fixed, which means m that will be a problem that will, will be drawn out. I think in the variable rate markets, the, 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 the correction in, in prices are going to be more, more quick. Uh, and, you know, in here in the US, it's probably gonna be more uh, drawn out. Now, the bigger question is how do politicians respond? Because constituents aren't going to like this. And I could easily see and you're already seeing this in places like, uh, where is it in places like Spain, they're considering limiting payment increases on variable rate mortgages. Uh, Hungary's government is offering citizens protection from rising mortgage rates. So I could definitely see the government stepping in and subsidizing the changes uh, in in the mortgage rates and, and, and passing laws so that there isn't a, you know widespread carnage. I, I, or and I don't think there's going to be widespread. Uh, but what I think the most acute problems in the housing market will be is actually I think it's the Airbnb heavy markets. This is one area that everybody, a lot of real estate investors have pivoted towards. Why? Because they're chasing returns. Uh, if you look at return on investment for Airbnbs, when things are booming, things are doing well, it can be 14, 15, up to 20 plus percent per year in returns. And in that, that's amazing, right? Much better than the cap rates you're going to typically get from renting normally, right? To uh, your uh, tenants that stay there on 12 month terms. Well, when the economy is good and everyone's traveling, everyone has a spare cash to go and rent that Airbnb and spend a weekend away, et cetera, it works really well. But in a slower economy where people are a little bit uh, more hesitant to spend, when inflation is high and they have other things that they need to spend money on, what happens? It's basically a hotel. And the hotel industry is typically very cyclical. And so this is not being talked about enough. This is where you're talking about distressed buyers. This will be where the distressed buyers are for this cycle. Now, luckily, it's not going to be nearly as widespread as all the people that just couldn't afford their homes and, and borrowed uh, by, you know, with liar loans, like in uh, 05 to the 07 cycle. Um, but that's where you're going to see it. Uh, I, I think of here uh, in Southern California, La Quinta, out there in the desert, Palm Springs, that's an area where there's a ton of vacation rentals. I know many people locally that have invested out there. They do well in good times, but not so much in bad times. So be cognizant of this, that Yes, real estate is going to have pain. It's going to be very different depending on the pockets. And it's going to, uh, the, the vacation rental market is going to play big time in how strong housing markets are in different reason, regions. Now let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. And this time we can play your recorded question and you can call anytime at 888-99-CHART. Good afternoon, Steve and Justin. Steve Ogier calling in from Concord, New Hampshire. Hope all is well. Just wanted to check in on a company I have owned in the past. I was hoping I could get an evaluation from you guys on it. It's dropped pretty significantly. It's B&G Foods, ticker symbol BGS. I was thinking about maybe getting back into it. It pays a pretty nice dividend. I think it looks like they can continue to pay a based on free cash flow, but 
I want to see if I'm missing something, you know, try to understand why it's dropped um, so significantly in the past, probably about three months or so. Um, really appreciate the show, and I will listen to the answer on the podcast. Thanks. All right, this is B&G Foods, and this is a name we have owned in the past, but we haven't owned it for a long time. And the reason is, is because... Uh, their debt levels got a little too high for us. And then recently, the reason why it's come down so dramatically, back in the beginning of the year, it was trading at $34. Now it's at $15. So uh, it's down over 50% on the year, even though you know, it's, you've got the nice dividend, which currently is, let's see, 12.2%. And that's what you're chasing here. You're chasing the dividend. And this is a perfect example. You need to reassess all your dividend payers, especially the high dividend payers. And the question you have to ask yourself is, can it dig its way out of that debt? Because we're entering a new, mar new market. I've talked about this at the top of the show. Long duration assets are not going to do well. Long bonds, think of TLT, right? 30-year treasuries, not doing well, down dramatically this year. Growth stocks, also long duration assets, right? Where their cash flows are expected to be years forward. That's a long duration asset, not done well this year. What else is not done well? Companies that have a lot of debt. And suddenly, now if that cost of debt is going up, whether they have floating rate debt, whether they're gonna have to refinance that debt at higher rates, whatever it is, now they have to pay a higher interest rate. And that means more profits, cash flows from their business flowing into paying bondholders, not you, the shareholder. And then obviously the increasing chance of a bankruptcy, companies that have excessive debt. And B&G Foods is one of those now, where their model of buying up smaller brands, putting it into their network and their distribution centers has worked in the past. But they did so by paying with debt, issuing shares, issuing bonds, and buying up those brands. And I just... Don't see that being a great business model anymore. Kind of reminds me of private equity, right? It's almost like a what B&G Foods does is they're in the shelf-stable food products. So think of jellies and hot sauces. They have, uh, I think they owned, uh, do they? I mean, they might have spun off Jolly Green Giant, but they owned that in a, uh, at some point. Um, so that's kind of their business. And so there's not, it's not a big growth industry, right? Uh, it's a pretty steady, consistent business, but you know they're they're not they don't have the cash flow unless they cut their dividend to pay down that debt, and I think they're eventually going to have to do that. So this is not a name that you want to buy in this type of environment. In a low interest rate environment, yes, I think they can sustain that de debt, they can sustain that dividend, but in this environment, too much risk there. So I'm passing on B and G Foods. Now the summer is in the rear view mirror. The seasons are changing, and colder weather is coming from most of the country and but the the stock market forecast we can make you we can't make with any assurance uh, but we can expect more volatility and you're seeing that now to the upside getting a bear market rally could turn into a new a bull market you have to be aware of those possibilities but you also have to be cognizant of what factors would feed into another rollover, maybe new lows, and then other factors could present themselves to where, hey, this is a new bull market. 
You need to be adding exposure. You need to shift to different sectors, et cetera. So you need to pay attention. You need to update your strategy based on this current environment where long duration assets are not the place to be. Chasing returns, chasing dividends, chasing uh, high cash flow, pay high uh, dividend payments and interest payments should be substituted for things like lower debt companies that have good cash flow that can raise their dividend. It may not be a big dividend today, but over time it likely will be. Right, fixed income where you're focused more on short and, and, and medium term as opposed to longer term. These are ways to update and improve your strategies in this market. So I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company KPP Financial where we provide unbiased answers both on and off air and we practice parallel investing. So I encourage you to set up a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting to send us a message through investtalk.com or give us a call at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, the sooner you contact us, the sooner we can help get your portfolio optimized. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Joel63892 says, what's your opinion on Aflac? They have some huge exposure to Japan with a weakening yen. I'm wondering how will, that'll impact the stock price. Take a look at their hedging derivatives and most of the recent 10Q, but I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Would love if you could shed some light there. Uh, now, I don't have their 10Q up, but if you look at their earnings, they're down, expected to be down 12% this year. And they do have, uh, I believe it's 70% of their revenue comes from Japan. So that's a bit of a worry. But like you said, they hedge it, and that's something you companies can do. They don't have to, because they have foreign currency exposure, they don't have to just grin and bear it and deal with the, the strong dollar. They can hedge that currency. And, and uh, I'm sure Affleck does that with 70% of their business in Japan. So it's a good business, consistent business, 2.6% dividend yield, trading at 11 times earnings. Um, I don't mind it. I, I'd have to look at that, that hedging strategy, uh, but based on analyst estimates, it looks like they're doing a pretty good job. Well, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal here to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do that right now at 888 chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey, Justin or Steve, I have a question about tax loss harvesting and the wash sale rule. I want to sell my position in ARKG, A R K G, and use the tax loss and use the remaining. Uh, income to buy FHLC, which is the Fidelity Healthcare Fund. I was just wondering, are these two ETFs too similar where a wash sale rule would happen? We'll listen to your answer on the next podcast. Thank you so much for your help. Take care. Absolutely not. I mean, ARCG is uh, filled with a bunch of crappy Ponzi stocks, even though it's in the, the genomics and biotech 
uh, and there might be some slight overlap with this uh, healthcare uh, ETF, but you know the healthcare ETF is going to be uh, far more uh, weighted towards you know health uh, drug companies, uh, actual drug companies that, that produce profits and and uh, and dividends today, uh, as well as uh, you know like the United Healthcare's of the world, uh, et cetera, and, and the the, the uh, insurance companies. So yeah, it's definitely well different enough. You know, I think what you're thinking of is if you go, for example, you sell SPY, which is an S&P 500 ETF, and you go buy VOO, which is also an S&P 500 ETF, just ones by Vanguard and ones by iShares, the same thing. That's drastically too close. Um, but just because it's roughly in the same healthcare space, very, very, very different types of um, of companies within those. So I, I think you're you're good on the wash rule there. Thanks for the call. Now let's talk a little bit about earnings season and the strong dollar. We know that the strong dollar has a detrimental effect on multinational firms, and about a quarter, sorry, quarter of S&P 500 companies get more than 50% of their earnings or revenues, excuse me, from international markets. And those companies are set to show a year-on-year -year decline of 0.7% in earnings for the third quarter. Now, the rest of the S&P, the three quarters that get less than 50% of their revenue overseas, they're expected to have earnings growth of 3.2%. So you can see that's a pretty dramatic difference, all because of a strong dollar. And a year ago, companies with a lot of international exposure, they actually posted better returns, better better earnings, because the dollar was, was a lot weaker. Now, let's dig into some of the earnings reports and what they said. And I'll show you some examples. So Coca-Cola, they expected to reduce 2022 full year revenue by 7% and earnings by 9% this year due to the strong dollar. And for next year, full year net revenue by five to 6% and earnings per share of seven to 8%. So clearly Coke, and one of the examples that has a problem with uh, the strong dollar in a big way. UPS, another one, they blamed operating margins decreasing due to the leveraging of our fixed costs, as well as the impact of the strong dollar. And uh, revenues for the Q4 expected to be flat year on year because of negative currency impacts, as well as a weaker economy. So you're getting a double whammy there of just weaker economy overall, and then the stronger currencies. General Electric, their healthcare operating margins fell in Q3 due to the delivering delevering of fixed costs and the impact of a strong dollar. And then they lowered its outlook for operating profits this year to 2.6 billion from 3 billion, which was the previous guidance from last quarter. Now 3M in Q3, the dollar reduced total revenue by 5% and earnings by 12 cents. And they expect full year that it will drop revenue by 4.5% and earnings per share by 50%. But Corning, another example, uh, now I don't know if Affleck, I'm assuming Affleck does, does uh, they do hedge, I don't know how much they did, but Corning has a very active hedging program uh, for its foreign currency exposure. And they've done that for over a decade now. And just like Affleck, the yen is Corning's biggest exposure. 
But they said, quote, we're very pleased with our hedging program, the, eco the economic certainty it provides. And so when you have a lot of your revenue coming from one particular country, most companies do hedge that. But when you're like Coke, where you have revenue in almost every country in the world, uh, it becomes a lot more difficult. So uh, it just depends on how it impacts each individual company and what their hedging program's like. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And we have now surpassed 46.5 million total downloads. And that's all thanks to you and telling your friends and family. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial.